0: Welcome to the Cook Center podcast, and here's
1: your host. You're talking like a song from the Lion King. Stop that! It makes no sense. Michael Preston.
0: Neil Lawson from the Spokesman Review going to join us here in a little bit to talk about the Washington State ball camp and how it is going, and what questions remain unanswered. Most of them are in the secondary. And there's, of course, that big obvious one at Kicker. Talk about that right off the bat with him. We'll also uh, go over... It's the first week on campus for a lot of kids uh, over at Washington State. I wrote a little piece about it earlier this week, but I wanted to put some thoughts on an audio medium as well. And then, as always, our Dunderhead of the Week and ask Michael anything to close things out. But as, as we will talk about with Theo here in a little bit, I mean, this is... This is the time of year where you really start getting into the minutia of fall camp. And back when I was covering the team, uh, when Paul Wolf was the head coach, this was just kind of the time where things got kind of really boring. And you just wanted to see someone wallop somebody that wasn't on their football team. And you know the players get itchy for that and and they want to do that as well and they want to get out there and smack someone and that's not their team that they don't have to worry about you know injuring or whatever um so yeah I mean I I think it's it's you know again we're getting to that time of year where you just want to see some damn football get played and unfortunately this is the penultimate week uh that does not feature a game at the end of it of course they'll go through practice next week. Without a game at the end of it. But then luckily uh, you get one on the final day of August. So for now what you're doing is you're kind of really reading into all the practice reports. Theo's been doing an excellent job from Lewiston and now Pullman uh, covering this team. So is Kook Fan. They've been doing a really good job with the boots on the ground uh, on a day-to-day basis. And really what it comes down to is you're still seeing a lot of shuffling uh, in the secondary. You've got Skylar Thomas... And Marcus Strong on the sideline for Armani Marsh and Derek Langford, as Theo pointed out yesterday. Uh, Isom, uh, Daryl Isom, Daniel Isom, excuse me, back playing uh, safety as well. So, I, I mean, things are just kind of all up in the air right now as far as that secondary is concerned. And we'll talk about the big one here in a minute. But, I mean, really, it's just what the hell's going on? You have no idea at a lot of those spots what's going to be happening. And I, you know, it can leave you a little uneasy. (laughs) I'm left a little bit easier by the fact that really this got figured out pretty quick by Tracy Clays last year. And the good news is they have a ton, a ton of junior college transfers to kind of fill in those gaps. Bryce Beekman seems to be impressing at safety as well. So I think... You're still kind of looking for that all to get worked out, especially without Jalen Thompson, your big playmaker back there, as he is now in the NFL thanks to that eligibility suspension for this season. So I, I think it's, you know, it's it, it's something you want answered right now. We obviously all want it answered, but we're just not going to get it. And this is kind of the the time of the year where you kind of got to keep your interest up a little bit, right? You got to keep reminding yourself that there's stuff going on at practice each and every day that you kind of can be interested in, but really a lot of other places, just kind of the normal reps because we know what's going on at linebacker. We know what's going on at offensive tackle. We know, or on the offensive line, we know what's going on on the defensive line generally. Wide receiver, we know there's so much freaking talent there uh, that it's it's hard to quantify <laughs> there being uh, more at any point arguably Uh, in Mike, actually not even arguably Mike Leach's tenure, well Zuba maybe in his tenure as a head coach, uh, even including those Texas Tech teams, though I don't think there's a number one receiver quite like Michael Crabtree uh, on this team. We know what's going on at running back, so really that last question that you have is at the all-important quarterback position for this football team, and I think you've seen over the last couple of days of practice, everything we've seen and heard is that really now it is Gage Gabrood and Anthony Gordon. And as Jeff and Craig pointed out on Podcast Versus Everyone last week, this is kind of following a similar pattern that we saw with Gardner Minshew last year. It didn't winnow down just to Minshew right away, even though I think we all kind of knew that he was probably going to be the guy come fall. And I I think it's probably the same case here, where you know that, you know, in all likelihood, Gage Gabrude's going to be the guy. And if what's happening is that Anthony Gordon is pushing him in practice and, and making him watch more film and making him practice harder and making him work harder at being that number one quarterback then that's probably a good thing, right? I mean, you know, Anthony Gordon may never see the field except in mop-up or, you know, God forbid, an injury to the number one quarterback this year. But Gage Gabrude, we said this last week, he doesn't come to Washington State without at least, uh, well, you're probably going to be the starter, but we need there to be a competition for the job. But you've probably got the upper hand type promise from Mike Leach and his coaching staff. That just doesn't happen. The kid had options. He could have gone to Utah where Lord knows he probably would have been the best quarterback on that roster right away. It, it, I'm almost certain he would have been. That, like, if there's one thing Utah has not really had the last number of years, talking four or five years, has been a good quarterback. They had Travis Wilson who had like a good season and that was about it. So... If if you go to Utah and you're Gage Cabrude, you probably round out that team almost perfectly to be, you know, 11-1 or 12-0 through your Pac-12 schedule and your non-conference schedule. But you come to Pullman because you want to play in an offense with the weapons that Mike Leach is giving you in the, you know, without James Williams, of course, you, you commit before you know he's leaving. But you've still got Max Borgie. You've got Dion McIntosh back there, the former running back from Notre Dame. You've got just, I mean, a literal stable. It looks like the wide receivers, you could literally, it's like going to Churchill Downs and it's just looking at every horse running in the Kentucky Derby. There are, there are the on on favorites, but like anybody could go out there and win and be good on any day. This is a horrible analogy, but... I took it further than it needed to go, but you wouldn't be listening to this show if I didn't do that. Gage Gabrude legitimately has, there are 12 to 13 guys on this team that could start at receiver. There are, I, I mean, it is so hard to wrap your head around that, that at X, Roderick Fisher is the third best player. And he is obscenely good at what he does. It, it is really hard to, to get your head around the quality of receiver this football team has right now. That you're just having to find space for Cassidy Woods out there because the kid's got to play. And at 6'4", 225, he's going to play inside. Uh, that doesn't happen. I mean, that that's why you talk about him being a modified tight end because... That, that's really what he is. That's as close to a tight end as you're going to come to in this offense. And that is why Gage Gibru come here comes here. And I think that's also why, even though Mike Leach won't say it publicly, he is still the odds-on favorite to be the starting quarterback. It's kind of the same situation we're in last year. You, got, you can't say publicly, or even privately for that matter, you can't just tell Anthony Gordon that, well, you know, forget it, dude. You're not going to start. And even if Anthony Gordon, you know, has that inkling in his head, you know, we've all been in a situation in life where we think, you know, it's, this probably isn't going to go my way. But because you don't know for sure, you keep going and you keep trying. And I, 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 this, this is nothing more than a gut. And you know, we abhor gut feelings around here. It's nothing more than a gut. But if everything is even, and Gage Cabrude and Anthony Gordon look the same in this offense, passing wise, a day before the New Mexico State game, the job probably goes to Gage Gabrud. Because of what he can do with his feet, because of his experience playing college football, and, you know, as we said last week, you actually have, unlike Gardner Minshew, who came in here having a very mediocre, I think he would admit, a very mediocre collegiate career, Gage (laughs) Gebrut threw for about a billion yards His sophomore year with some NFL quality wide receivers, but there is a history there, and you can see that it has happened before with him. And Anthony Gordon does not have that. So, at least from an experience standpoint, that again, if all things are even, the job probably goes to Gabrud. Now, I'd love to see both of them in the first two games of the year because you're playing a team in New Mexico State who is awful and you're playing a team in Northern Colorado who is... Uh, is it, it is levels of bad worse than New Mexico State. They're probably one of the worst teams in the FCS this year. Voted to finish last by a long way in the big sky. Now I know, yes, we've heard that before. Another team has done that before. But let's just... just come on. Come on. He knows to take everybody seriously now. After that, so I I, I think that you know, and th- this is just going to be the hot topic even up to game week because we don't know for sure, even though we think we probably do know. And Mike Leach is the master of saying a lot, but also not really saying anything at all because he has a law degree, so he's very good at doing this. So. There is going to be intrigue there. There will continue to be intrigue in the secondary. But really, I mean, I keep absorbing everything Theo is reading or writing for the spokesman. Because it's excellent. Kukfan fans doing a great job uh, covering the team day to day as well. I wish I could be there. Even though I remember how hard it is, how difficult it is to find anything interesting going on at this point in camp. If you're covering the team. But... That really, we're going to find out a little bit about the secondary. You're probably going to see the quarterback competition winnowed down to Gordon and Gubrood, Gubrood, Gabrud, whatever, Gage. You're going to see it winnowed down to Gage. And that that is about where we are in terms of where things could really shuffle around at this point. There's going to be an injury or two. Namdi Aguayo is hurt again, and that's just kind of a... That's just... Par for the course. We'll also see whether Jameer Calvin can make it back in time for the season. Uh, Theo is going to talk about that a little bit as well. But, I mean, really, you know, again, we're, we're at this point where we're kind of in those doldrums. And we're finding out a lot about the safeties. And the quarterback, again, second year in a row, we're going to do this. We're going to do this all again next year, too. We'll do it all again with with the quarterbacks they have with Kamen Cooper uh with Camen Cooper with John Bledsoe if he's good enough with Gunner, Gunner Cruz um as well we'll do it all again with them and a decidedly younger group of quarterbacks but that is where we are at in camp right now and Theo's got a great breakdown of everything coming up. And the, I, the dude has been covering the crap out of this team more than... I mean, it, it's been an incredible level of coverage. He was posting things at 1 a.m. This, in the uh, the morning we're recording this. That is insane. That is an insane dedication to one's occupation. So, Theo, coming up next here on the Coug Center Hour. Back here on the Coug Center Hour. And fresh off an airplane, which as we always know, leaves you completely, you know, like... Clear-headed and all that other good jazz. It's Theo Lawson of the Spokesman Review joining us to go over camp and all kinds of other stuff about Wazoo football. Was your flight okay back from the Bay Area to Spokane? Or uh, a little turbulence? Did you get a cocktail? Any crying babies or anything?
1: No, the, the the flight itself was pretty smooth. You know, just just other than the fact that, that it was at six in the morning, so so I had to leave my place at around four thirty in the Bay Area. Ooh. Got to the airport around five, and so it has been kind of a long day, and I get to get to go home for for a little bit, shower up, freshen up, and then uh, and then. Drive out to Pullman for, for practice number what I think it's 10 or 11 right now, whatever it so, is. We're, uh,
0: we're yeah, we're in the middle of the doldrums of camp, I think, at this point. I, I think I stopped counting after uh, after five, so <laughs> we'll, 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 just say, we'll just say practice number 10. There you go. Uh, at least they're back up from the uh, microwave of Lewiston to the slightly less warm microwave of Pullman. Uh, before we get to football here, Theo, I do want to touch on uh, obviously hard knocks. Uh, with HBO considering a college-style show for that show. And it sounds like they've at least been in touch with HBO. I believe you were able to confirm that on Tuesday. Uh, So is that pretty much all we know at this point, is that the network's been in touch with Wazoo, and that's kind of where we're at?
1: Yeah, that's all I have right now. I'm I'm, I'm sure within the next few hours or even the next day or two, we'll probably get some more details on it if they have. Signed a contract with Washington State, uh, according to uh, Devils Digest, was kind of the first one that reported this this morning that that they had kind of locked in on four schools and really kind of four interesting schools when you when, when you look at two of college football's kind of blue bloods and Alabama and Penn State and then and then two Pac-12 programs with with very polarizing, intriguing coaches in Washington State and Arizona State. So we'll kind of see if if they do end up, end up going to those four schools. I, I believe it will be kind of a shortened version of the NFL Hard Knocks that, that, that that's kind of airing right now and has been airing for the for, for about the last 14. Fourteen years, so yeah. um, I, I believe they will just kind of focus on one game and kind of go to Pullman for maybe that one game week and um, maybe a little bit longer than that, but but it won't be it certainly won't be a full season because they're going to kind of divvy it up between those four schools. It, it sounds like so, um, you know. But I, I believe within the next few days we'll, we'll probably know more, and hopefully I can get some more details out uh, sooner than later.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the way it sounded to me. I don't think they're going to spend an entire season in Pullman and then you know go over everything. It would definitely be a game or two, and Lord knows Herm Edwards has never shied away from a camera, so that's a pretty natural fit uh as well there um okay <clears throat> let's start with football and I want to start with the most critical thing the thing everybody's got on their mind and it's all going through everybody's head right now uh it's the one question we don't have answered yet is Blake Mazza still the starter at kicker or is Jack Crane uh making some moves there well it's
1: funny they've been rolling out you know three or four different kickers throughout practice though so you You'll see Blake Mazza kick a few field goals. Jack Crane get a few, and so you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a depth chart uh, at the end of fall camp saying you know, Blake Mazza or Jack Crane or Dean Janikowski or Andrew Boyle. So, so, yeah. so, 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 really is a, really is heating up, and I'm sure that, that that's the one thing that people are going to look at when the when the first depth chart comes out.
0: Yeah, because that's all that's all anybody's watching right now, right? There's no other area in which there are competitions for starting positions. Uh, at all, so I I know that uh, your reporting on the kicking has been most crucial uh, for coog fans here as we roll through fall camp. No, okay, Glad well, someone appreciates that. No, I well I, I know I do as a lover of specialists. I know Oscar Griesovic, the future Heisman Trophy winner, has got it on lockdown at punter. But um, all right, let's let's talk about the quarterback position because this is the second year in a row. Um, that this is going to happen. It will happen again next year. Uh, but again, like you said last year, uh, we had oars after every name at quarterback every week. It was one of my favorite things to see on the depth chart. Uh, right now, we are talking on Tuesday, August the 13th. The show is going to be out on Thursday. Who's in the lead right now in terms of you know everything? I know you haven't been in practice the last few days. You've been in San Francisco enjoying some time off. But who in your mind has the lead right now?
1: And I, you know, and I, I know it's kind of the boring answer right now, but, but, but I really do think it is kind of neck and neck and neck. And you know, I believe though, if it is still neck and neck and neck toward the end of fall camp, if, if Mike Leach can't decide between three of these guys, or even when he cuts it down to two, if, if he can't decide between two of these guys, well, why not play the guy who, who's already done it so many times at the FCS level and has been considered one of, one of the top players at that level for, for so many years? And Big Sky Player of the Year has has, has over 100 touchdowns, career touchdowns, rushing and passing. So so I but, you know I, I just think if, if, if it is this close, you're probably going to go with the guy who's, who's already done it. You know, I, I kind of said before camp that if Anthony Gordon and Trey Tinsley wanted to wanted to steal the job, or I guess not steal the job, take the job, that, that they would probably have to vastly outplay Gage Gubrud during during fall camp and really show that, that, that they're more worthy of that starting spot that, mm-hmm. than Gubrud is. With with, with everything Gubrud's accomplished, I, I do believe his resume kind of kind of says something about what he's done. And you know, I, I believe that that's something that the coach has taken into account, and obviously something that Mike Leach uh, considered when, when when he brought Gage to campus. If, If Mike Leach felt really solid about the two quarterbacks they had, they do have two Richard seniors who are pretty experienced. So, so I I believe if if he felt good about those two guys, you know, he probably doesn't need to bring another transfer. And he probably feels good about the depth chart. So, So, if he felt like he did. Uh, need to bring in someone, add 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 some 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 more depth to the to, to the position. Add, add someone who, who's already done it and can kind of step in and and handle hand, handle kind of in game stuff that the other two guys haven't haven't had to handle yet. So yeah, uh, well, well well I believe that all three have kind of been at been at an equal playing level throughout camp. Gage Gruber, you, you just kind of see some of the stuff that that he did at Eastern Washington as far as extending plays and things that that, Goober, that that sorry Gordon and Tinsley just, just, just can't really do. and So, so you know, I, mean, I, I believe it is kind of equal right now, but like I said, if, if it is equal in another week or two, I believe I believe Gubert would have to be the
0: guy. Mm-hmm. There's no chance that, you know, I, I know what, <clears throat> excuse me, that you, you know, I'm saying it's equal right now, and I, every time we read your practice reports, it seems that way somebody's got the lead on a different day. There's no chance that, especially given the quality of the first two opponents for Washington State, New Mexico State's probably one of the worst teams in the FBS and Northern Colorado was voted to finish last in the Big Sky. There's is there a chance that you think Mike Leach could play two quarterbacks in those games, or is he just going to stick with his starter um, in each of those?
1: Yeah, you know, I've, I've heard a few other people kind of float out that, that possibility too, and I, you know, I, I, I think there, there could be could be an opportunity to do that just because, like you said, you're not playing to uh, to. Power Five schools for the first two games, you're playing two pretty low, I and mean, one, mm-hmm. one pretty low FCS school, and one of the worst FBS schools in, in the country, New Mexico State, to open with. So I could see a situation where maybe he would want to try all three guys out against those those two opponents and kind of see who handles that that those situations the best, and that guy might be starting against Houston when, when they are playing a, a pretty good uh, pretty good uh, FBS team that, that that probably can beat them on the road. So, mm-hmm. um, but but at, at the same time, I don't think Mike Litch has ever been the one to, to play two quarterbacks or to really kind of do that. think right he does like to zero in on one player he's, he's, he's done that as far as I know, so, you know since, since I've covered Washington State and probably before that he's, he's, he's typically had one starting player and I, think, I think he wants players to the receivers the offensive linemen the running backs to get adjusted to playing with one quarterback and I, you know, I, 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 think, uh, I think if you play two or three guys I, I think that kind of messes it up a little bit so mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I believe he probably does want to lock in on one guy but at the same time right, it, is, it, it is so close at this point that you kind of wonder if, if he's going to be able to find the separation he wants before the season opener and maybe he does try a few guys in uh, and, and yeah. that August 31st game against
0: the, the Aggies. I want to talk, we'll talk about the other position that I, I think most folks, <clears throat> excuse me, again, are worried about uh, the most, and that's the defensive backs, the safety. I know Daniel Isom's been flirting a little bit uh, with starting back there. Uh, we've had other, you know, a lot of cornerbacks rotating in and out, a lot of safeties rotating in and out. The absence of Jalen Thompson has really, uh, kind of been a highlight of camp and trying to figure out what's going on. I know Tracy Clay said last week, they're not ready yet, but that's fine. They got plenty of time to get there. Uh, what have you seen from that group so far in camp? Because I, I you know, I know you don't need to assuage people's, uh, you know, misgivings, so to speak, but it seems like there's still a lot up in the air with the two cornerback spots and the safety spots.
1: Yeah, they, they, they they've tried out a number of a number of different guys at, at those two spots. Really, really the spots that we're looking at, looking at are, are, are the strong safety spot and the the cornerback spot opposite of Marcus Strong because we know Marcus Strong is going to start. We know that Skylar Thomas is going to start at the, at the nickel corner, which is mm-hmm. considered a, a secondary spot. And we know Bryce Beekman, Bryce Beekman is probably going to start at the free safety spot. He, he was playing that position all, all of spring camp and kind of kind of came in, uh, just just came in came in as a junior college guy and kind of was starting right away at that spot. So so they, they obviously like those three guys, but, but you are looking at the uh, at the strong safety spot and day one of fall camp we saw Tyrese Ross there and uh, talking to Jahad Woods at pac 12 Media Day we kind of asked about the, the, the departure of Jalen Thompson and who we thought would, would be best suited to replace place, Jalen, and he, he mentioned Tyrese Ross, and so at that point, I'm not sure them I'm not sure the coaches were really talking about playing Daniel Isom at, at the safety spot because he had played mostly cornerback during uh, during the spring and, and, and came from Iowa Western playing cornerback and really has played cornerback most of most of his football career dating back to the high school, little league. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that was really an option early on. Then they kind of decided, okay, well m- maybe we can try him out at, at, at the strong safety and, and see how he does. And he really performed. You know, I believe it was day four when when they put him back there, and he he, 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 he looked pretty good right off the bat. So. Um, he kind of became the guy, and then you know, to the last couple of days, that they have kind of rotated guys in and out, but, but it really does seem like Daniel Isom has that that spot locked down a little bit. And we'll kind of see what happens this week, but but I I kind of believe that that he's he's going to be the starting strong mm-hmm. safety there, and, and then probably probably a cornerback. You're going to have another junior college transfer, so that'll probably be three. Junior college transfers back back in the secondary with with with, uh, with Derek Langford playing the playing that corner cornerback spot. He's he's six foot two, so so has really good length, and that's something that they don't have on the other side with Marcus Strong. So I kind of I kind of foresee them playing one taller cornerback just because you did you know the, there were times last year when they, when they could have really used the the height yeah. of, of a tall cornerback. at the Stanford game really comes to mind and a certain uh, certain wide receiver. So um, you know, mm-hmm. I mean I, I believe if, I believe if they have that length, they can kind of do a few different things as far as matchups and kind of switch. Flip flop things around, so, so I, I believe the uh, length his experience is high. I, I, his athleticism, I, I think he's kind of the top option there. But they, they, they do have some some decent depth with, uh, with George Hicks, who played last year, and then Ar- Armani Marsh, the uh, the Gonzaga prep grad. He's, he's a little bit shorter. He's five eight, but, but he is pretty quick and kind of kind of as a guy who, who fears no receiver. So mm-hmm. you know they they also like him back there. So I could see those three kind of rotating in and out, and maybe it it'll, it'll just kind of depend on the matchup.
0: Yeah, uh, JJ Arcega-Whiteside did some uh, disgusting things to the Wazoo secondary. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly, uh, yeah, did not did not go well uh, for them down in Palo Alto. The result was fine, but Arcega-Whiteside certainly made it difficult on him. Uh, I want to talk about, I I think probably the best offensive unit on this team, Theo, uh, and that's the wide receivers. It it seems weird to say. Well, actually, it doesn't seem that weird to say that uh, you know there are eight spots on the depth chart really, and there are twelve or thirteen guys that could legitimately occupy those spots right now. Is this, you've been covering the team for a few years now, Is this has got to be the deepest wide receiver group you've seen there. But I mean, because w- Roderick Fisher could be number three at X, and he's Roderick Fisher, and he's been wowing everybody in camp.
1: Yeah, you know this is definitely the deepest group that they've ever had. You know, but probably probably ever had at Washington State under Mike Leach. I wonder if I, it'd be interesting to ask Mike Leach if this is just the deepest receiving court he's had as a coach, dating back to Texas Tech and, and some of his other schools before beforehand. So mm-hmm. um, they, they, they don't really have right now that one guy like a, like a Dave Marks or even a River Craycraft who who is going to be kind of the go-to guy. And I, I just don't really think they need that because last year you just, you just saw Gardner Minshew distribute the ball to so many different receivers and kind of work out that way. And I. I, 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 I think I think the biggest sign of, of a deep receiving core was that, you know, as much as the Cougars threw the ball, they, they didn't have one receiver, uh, you know, listed on the All Pac-12 first or second team. So, so that really, really kind of shows the depth of the group. And uh, you know, I, I believe they have probably two or three guys who are all, all Pac-12 caliber receivers, if, if, if not a few more than that. So mm-hmm. they really do run two or three deep at each of those four spots. You know, the, the, the one position I'm, I'm kind of looking at right now is, is, is the wide receiver and the slot receiver. And right now, Jameer Calvin is still still hurt. He's been wearing a brace since spring, and I kind of overheard someone say last spring. You know, he should be ready uh, by the time school starts. So not necessarily by the time fall camp starts, but by the time the, the, the school semester starts. So I, you know that's the about a, a week or two from now. So we'll kind of see where uh, Jameer Kelvin you know, is 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 at that point, and if he's healthy enough to start practicing, and even if he is, you know, has, has he has he really been able to practice enough and get back into to good shape to, right. to, to play? In that season opener, but you know, like you kind of mentioned about the first two games, I'm, I'm sure they don't really need him until that Houston game. So, so if he can't get healthy, that that just adds one more, uh, you know, productive body at, at the wide receiver. But, but, I, but I, 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 still think with with Brandon Arcanado and Cassidy Woods, that they have really two solid options there. Brandon Arcanado just never really has been able to crack the rotation, kind of because of the depth of the position. It's always been Kyle Sweden, Jimmy Calvin there since since has been there, but Arcanado's kind of consistently been one of their better. Practice players over the last last couple of years, and always someone I, I tend to write about during during spring camp, during fall camp, so. I believe he can be can be a really consistent player for them. He kind of does the things that he does, and he does them pretty well. He's not flashy. He's not going to be Jameer Calvin, but but I believe he can play play a big role in this offense. And then Cassidy Woods, uh, obviously moving from from the outside, kind of he was kind of kind of their third or fourth option at Z receiver uh, last, last year, and, and obviously made the move inside during during spring camp. He's been mm-hmm. a really intriguing guy to watch because you, you don't usually see someone who's 6'4", 6'5", playing in a slot, of, and I think he can be a real kind of matchup nightmare for for certain defenses. So even if uh, even if Jameer Calvin does come back and you know, Jameer and 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 uh, and Arcanado are, are the two guys kinda of playing at that wide spot I, I believe there are situations where uh, they're probably gonna want to use Cassidy Woods too.
0: Yeah. We'll talk about uh, the defensive line. Let me say let's talk about it one more time. That's a really good way to introduce everything. Uh the defensive line, I think last year we were all a little worried about the depth there as it turns out Thanks to a lack of injuries there and Taylor Comfort being a revelation that I think nobody saw coming, thanks to Jeffrey Phelps and Tracy Clays for being wizards, um, that worked out okay. But now there's actually some depth at defensive line where you're not too worried anymore about an injury there. So what are your feelings with that line so far in camp and how they look? Yeah, you know, I, I believe Mike Leach said at a 12
1: Media Day, I think someone asked him about just kind of the, the, the strengths of, of his team and which position, position groups kind of look, look, look the best right now. And he kind of pointed out you – in. Know, you kind of see he, he would point to the wide receivers being as deep as they are, but but, he, but I think he kind of pointed to, to the offensive line and the defensive line, and mainly mainly the defensive line being being one of the strong points of this team because they are so deep. And not only are the deep that they, they return, kind of so just kind of a few premier players who, who really kind of uh, stepped up last year. Of course, right. losing Logan Tago, Logan Tago really came to came into his own playing at the DN last year. And you kind of wonder if, if, if maybe a couple of years earlier, if, if, if they had starters in there, you know, he, he probably would have been a much better player for for, them for Throughout his career, but uh, losing him is 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 a big loss. But then you return Namdi Aguayo, and we're all kind of waiting for Namdi Aguayo's really you know real breakout season. He's been battling injuries, but mm-hmm. you, you just look at him as someone who really can make an impact and kind of be an all packed both caliber player, and maybe someone who has a chance to play at the next level because he is so physically gifted and he just looks bigger and stronger every time every time you see him. So we're kind of waiting on the breakout season for Namdi. But but if but if that doesn't happen, they also have uh, Carson Block, who's kind of kind of another uh, kind of another Taylor Comfort type guy who at uh-huh. Came here as a walk-on and kind of worked his way up the depth chart and earned a scholarship. And he's he's really been uh, been productive for, for for them during during fall camp. And mm-hmm. he's kind of working with the second team. And then uh, you know, No Stockley, you, you, you really have some 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 pretty good depth there. I, I believe that's probably their deep, deepest spot when, when you look at uh, Misiona. And, and I'm I'm going to butcher this name like I always do. Misiona Iolupotea Bay. I,
0: I think I got it right. There. There you go. no. I'm, I'm looking at her. I, Iolupotea Bay. <laughs> that was that would be as close as I get uh, to that one. But I've got no business even pronouncing that correctly so we'll we'll call it good yeah
1: I I think I probably get it better than Mike Leach does, though. So (laughs) that's something there. um, He, you know, right now he's been taking taking most of the reps with 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 the first team, and it kind of came on toward the end of last year was was productive for them in in, in, in sports And you kind of assume that with Lamont McDougal redshirting and and then you know being eligible to play this year, Lamont McDougal, you know, know, former freshman All American at West Virginia who started for for, for the Mountaineers a couple years ago, you you kind of kind of just figured McDougal would 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 easily take that spot. And when that when that uh, first string nose tackle dropped. Uh, but, but it's still been messy. Taking take the first team reps, and, and then you have the luxury of plugging uh, Lamont in and rotating those two. And then of course, Will Rogers, Dallas Hobbs, Hizie, uh, uh, varia, you, you just have you just have a lot of options back there, and a lot of guys who can kind of rotate from north tackle defensive tackle, and uh, get guys who can play both positions. And that's that's kind of not even not even including the, the rush linebackers who are probably as good or better than they were last year. And They, they kind of figure into that D line rotation mm-hmm. too.
0: We got another couple of weeks left of the of camp before you get into a game prep week Theo so it'll be this week the rest of this week and then all of next week once school starts and then you finally get into game prep week. The feeling around this time of year is you probably just kind of get into the doldrums of camp like we talked about earlier where you know it's it's they want to hit somebody else. So what kind of describe the feeling for me? I guess you know as a reporter you've seen this enough but do these guys get a little more edge like in terms of their anger at this point? Cause they just want to hit somebody and that development continue to occur because you know, at, at this point it's, it's kind of difficult for any of that to happen.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I, I, I think every camp there, there, there's some of that, especially after the first two days where, where they're not wearing any pads at all, they're, they're really you're going to get the pads on and, once they get the pads on and start hitting each other, then then they're really eager to, to start hitting someone else. And obviously the, the defensive linemen, the, the linebackers, and, and whoever else is blitzing the quarterback can't really do much there because the quarterbacks are, of course, uh, you know, off limits during during fall camp. So so they're mm-hmm. really waiting to, to to see another opponent so they can start hitting another quarterback and kind of taking that that frustration out on, on, on someone wearing a different color. But you know you know I, I believe in years past, at least I've been covering covering the team that there have been a number of kind of fights and practices, and I think that's the result of a lot of pent up kind of aggression and, right. and anger. And, I mean, I, I, I just think this year it's been a lot more control, so maybe that's the, the, that's the sign of a veteran team and that they, they really know how to channel their energy. And, okay, when, when the play is over, it would be easy to kind of clock a teammate or kind of release some of that frustration. But they haven't done a lot of that, that there was one fight in, in Lewiston, but I believe that was four or five days into camp, and usually you kind of see something like that two or three days in. So, I mean, I, 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 believe, it, I believe it is a veteran enough team that, that they kind of know how to control that, channel it. Um, Mike Leach talks a lot about, you know, he's, he's, he's okay with those things happening from time to time long as they're not wasting wasting time and kind of taking away uh, time that, that that they could spend uh, doing other things and getting other work in, so you know, I, 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 I just kind of get the vibe that this is a very experienced team. They kind of know how to control that, control their emotions. Right. A lot of a lot of senior leaders on the team, so so guys like Liam Ryan and even Jihad was a linebacker. Some of those guys won't, won't let that stuff happen. And, um, and you know, I, I believe they all kind of have respect for each other. So I, 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 I think there is some amount of chemistry on this team, but at the same time, you're right. Any um, college football team in the country it gets gets two weeks into fall camp and they're ready to start playing someone else.
0: One more week of fall camp, one more full week of fall camp next week, and then finally, finally a game prep week uh, for Washington State. And Theo Lawson's been there the whole time. He's going to continue to be there the whole time. The man flew home from the Bay Area today, and he's still going to get down to Pullman and do his dang job. So y'all better click on it and appreciate it. Theo Lawson for the Spokesman Review. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Back here on the Coug Center Hour, our thanks again to Theo Lawson for stopping by and taking 20 minutes out of his very valuable time. The man was in an airport coming back from San Francisco, and he managed to find some time for us, so we certainly appreciate his generosity there. Uh, I wrote a piece for the website this week, but I, I wanted to kind of expand on it a little bit because I'm a better talker than a writer in some ways, and there's a brand new class of coops on campus this week. The class of 2023 um, has arrived on campus. And by the way, if you want to be really feel old, and I'm only 31 and I feel very old saying this, uh, there is no person in this freshman class born before the year 2000. If you, uh, you know, if you went through the normal course of uh, being born and graduating high school, there's no one born before the year 2000. So feel old. Um, if you'd like, I know I do. Uh, <laughs> but it, this is, you know, Pullman is a very hard place to come to, I think, as a freshman if you have not had an experience of being isolated from your family before. If you've never had that experience of being away from the people who you love and care for the very most in the world. And I think, um, you know, although I was kind of prepared for it, uh, my freshman year, it really and truly did not hit me, um, until I got there. And it was a scary thing having grown up in Woodinville, which, you know, a lot of friends who grew up in Bellevue and in Seattle tease me that Woodenville is rural. And where I grew up in Woodenville, I mean, yeah, it was a little east of downtown, but my goodness, guys, I could still get to a Target in under five minutes. You know, I, I mean, it wasn't wasn't that far away from everything. We had a Barnes and Noble for God's sake. Do Barnes and Noble still have brick and mortar? I have no idea if they still exist in brick and mortar. But the point is, is that you know this this is not an easy school to go to and to adjust to. It takes a lot of adjusting. It takes a lot to get used to that... I mean, it's really... It's Pullman and Moscow and that's it. That is all that is out there. It's 45 minutes to to Lewiston. To Lewiston. Which in and of itself is not that big of a city either. So you're talking an hour and a half to get to even kind of a big metropolitan area in Spokane. That is how far away you are from anything. And like I said... In that piece, when the first time I ever went there as a junior in high school, we turned off I-90 and we got on that road. My mom, who went to Wazoo, I I asked her, is this the right way? And she said, yes. You just have to trust it. You have to trust that you're going the right way. You have to trust that you're going to get there. And it it was, again, a hard adjustment period for me. But the really cool thing about Pullman and Washington State is that it just grabs you. And you, you can feel it doing that. You can feel yourself becoming more accustomed to being there. You can feel yourself over the summer breaks wanting them to be shorter and shorter and shorter so you can get back to Pullman. So you can enjoy these best four or five or six years of your life. And I, I want to try to impart that a little bit to... Any freshmen who might be listening, I hope you are. And I hope you're piping it to everybody on the fourth floor at Komen, room 404 Forever. I I want you to know that if this is difficult, it will get better. It will get easier. And I, I have kind of a... I think it's a good analogy. I didn't put it in the piece because I couldn't think of a way to put it uh, succinctly and making my point. And frankly, maybe I won't hear either. But... The TV show, The Bachelor. Now, just stay with me here, okay? Former participants, contest contestants, participants. Former participants will tell you that not only does your relationship with the person who's supposed to be the object of your affection form more quickly, but the people around you, the other, again, participants or contestants it forms very, very quickly because you're so absorbed into everything to do with that show all the time for weeks on end. You can't watch TV. You don't have a phone. You can't read a magazine. You can, you literally can't on that show. So all you have to do is hang out with the people around you. That's all there is to do. And that's why they say you can fall in love with the person who's supposed to be the object, you know, the Bachelor or the Bachelorette so quickly on that show because, I mean, yeah, you got producers in your ear whispering things and making your feelings, you know, go over the top, but it it really does happen so fast and you form such strong bonds and connections with those people because that is what there is to do. And it is nearly the same thing in Pullman. You... Have these people that you lean on and rely on to help you get through this adjustment period, this time that you're finding yourself in Pullman for you know away from your family for the first time in your life. What else is there to do but to be with your friends, to go to activities, to go to clubs? I mean, for God's sake, join clubs, go do that stuff. That is the best way to meet people. And I can guarantee you, Wazoo has a club that fits your interest. It it, it you know the. Whatever your interest is, there is a club for it. Get out and go do that stuff. Because that is what will serve you best and make these four years the best they can be. Because when you are in Pullman, there's a reason why the friendships I have... From 4 years I spent in Pullman. For God's sake. I have a marriage. From 4 <laughs> years I spent in Pullman. But the friendships I have. From 4 years I spent in Pullman. Are the best. Most intense. And they will be lifelong. Because that is who. What we had to do. And the people who we were around. In such an intense environment. And it was just. You know again. Yeah you got your phone. And yeah you can watch Netflix. And you do all this other crap. But What are you going to do outside? What are you going to go see? You're going to go to football games. You're going to go to the river. You're going to go on hikes. That's about it. I mean, because really, I mean, you know, take it for your friends to go to the UW. There's so much to do in Seattle and that's lovely and it's wonderful. And I live in Seattle and it is and it's lovely and it's wonderful. But do they bond with people at their school? No, they don't. I mean, maybe they do, but it's just, it's, it, I always get the feeling that it's never as intense or as, you know, impassioned as it is of the, as those friendships you'll make at Wazoo or, or those romantic relationships, whatever it is. It is so singularly unique in terms of a college environment, a huge major research university in the middle of nowhere. There are other smaller liberal arts schools in the middle of nowhere. This is unique. There is no place like this to go to college. And I always, you know, whenever somebody asks me, you know, God, how could you go to Pullman? I don't get it. And I always have a very simple answer that's fine. You don't have to. Because I do. I understand why I did. I understand why I feel such a strong connection and why. Pullman is home. Why that is a place I will always feel at home. No matter where I am in my life. It will always be a place that feels like home to you. And I can guarantee you that even if you don't feel that way right now. Four years from now, five years from now, six years from now, whatever it is. When you leave Pullman for the final time as a student, that will be the slowest you ever move to start a road trip on your life. Or in your life. These are going to be the best four years of your life. Do not. Do not. Please. Do not. Take them for granted. For God's sake. Get a Twitter handle so you can participate in these upcoming... Well, there's one upcoming segment. And also make sure all your friends know to listen to it. Play it in the frat play it in the sorority. Play it for everybody. Turn up the volume of all of our podcasts. Podcast versus Everyone. Coug Center Hour. We get the best podcasts out there on the Coug network of stuff and talking and things nobody compares. KJR don't compare whatever the station in Spokane is that has sports talk does not compare. Cairo, I'll take them all on. I'll take on all comers with this. Why am I going on this tangent? I'm leaving it in the show as usual. Thunderhead of the week. Ask Michael anything up next. <laughs> Thunderhead of the week time, and I want, uh, I'm sure most of you have heard of this drinking game that I'm about to go over. We played it for the first time at my wife's uh, birthday party last weekend in our backyard. Uh, the game's called Stump, where, I mean, the basic premise is, is that you put nails You just hammer them slightly into a log and then you take a hammer and you have to flip it around once, catch it, and then whatever position you caught it in you have to drop that hammer on opponent's nails and you know last one standing wins. I had never played that before and this Dunderhead goes to me because I now love this game so much. It is so fun to flip a hammer and try to hit nails and miss and have some drinks and it's definitely a game you cannot play when you're like drunk but you shouldn't play it like stone sober so you should play it like after four or five beers depending on like I don't know how tall you are or how much you weigh but you know like enough to get like get you that nice like buzz but not like drunk because the potential for injury here is high right we had multiple people catch the hook on the back of the hammer that I name I don't I use it to pull nails called I'm so unhandy around the house it's not even funny we have people drop the hammer on their foot they caught it with the actual hammer itself hitting them in the hand they missed and hurt their hand you you know like it stung their hand hitting the stump but how did I not know about this game why did none of you tell me about this game before last weekend because now I want to bring a stump and a hammer and some nails to Pullman every game weekend and I want to play this in the parking lot of the state Inn, where we will be staying for most of the games or oh no we got upgraded for the parking lot so I'm going to bring a stump and I'm going to put it down in our parking lot and we're, gonna, we're all going to play stump at my tailgate. This is going to happen. I'm committed to making this happen. I'm not so committed to making this happen but I want to make it happen at least once. I have to play stump in Pullman at least once. It just Game fits a coop tailgate okay, too freaking well. Too well. I mean, like right on. Just it hits the nail on the head. Ask Michael anything. I'm not apologizing. For pun game is strong. I'm not even a father. It was well worked. Nail on the head. You did a good job there, Preston. That was good. Ask Michael anything time at Ben Wyman. Ben Wyman. What is your go-to karaoke song? Uh, don't let the sun go down on me by Elton John. It's kind of a weird pick, kind of a depressing pick, a little bit. But if I don't do that, uh, if I'm trying to woo the misses, uh, God must have spent a little more time on you by In Sync. That's also a good one. Uh, and then I think, man, those are that's really the two of them. I might go with Toxic by Britney Spears if I've had a couple of cocktails. Yeah, that. I wasn't expecting that either. At Mr. Tommy G-Man, Tom G. Man Tom Lanella, has Bill Moose rolled over Ernie Kent's contract yet? <laughs> Could he would have probably? At Patrick Cornwell P. Cornwell 09. Would you order HBO just for one episode of WSU Hard Knocks? Probably not. Like a okay, <laughs> Like that's great if if we think it's gonna bring exposure to the school. We'll find out you know more next week probably. We didn't talk about it today because. We only know so much in that Wazoo would probably be featured with Arizona State, Alabama, and Penn State. If the school wants to do it, that's great. I'm probably not gonna watch it. Mike Lee's been around for a long time, guys. We already know a lot of his eccentricities, his idiosyncrasies, everything like that. We just... We know. And I'd forget to cancel that subscription and I'd end up paying out the rear end for it, so... Because that's what I do. At SSFC footy 13 DJ Dirty Paws how many Four Locos seltzers will it take to kill me? I looked this up. Everybody's making a seltzer now, but Four Locos is 14% alcohol by volume. My God. There is going to be so much vomit on College Hill this fall. I mean, like, more than usual, but my Lord. At WSU Brady 27 go Cougs. Coogs at Cougs on the 13th, Jags at Texans on the 15th. Should we stay to possibly see the stash in the NFL? I mean, he's probably not gonna be starting, and I wouldn't watch that football game if he's not. Jags and Texans just has nine six written all over it. That just seems awful. At NickBeaty72, Nick 72, Nick Beatty, where's Sammy? She takes weeks off. She's not gonna do ask Sammy everything every week, guys. Like, I'm sorry that like you you, you just don't get the new person every week scarcity you know like it's the theory of scarcity if i get if she did this segment every week you'd want me back eventually right right at the last zoom, rest in peace lil sebastian cargo or gym shorts gym shorts always at tdc underscore thompson adam thompson will old crimson make it to game day at disney world first game today is at disney world next weekend which is so stupid corporate synergy and whatnot it will. And if it doesn't, I don't think they're going to count that against the streak because I'm pretty sure, like every postseason one they do, the flag's not there. Uh, so I'm relatively sure that even if it's not there and Disney World doesn't let it in, that that's probably fine. Uh, at Sticks and Home Fries, the Sticks are all right. Aside from real game time experience, what does Gubrood bring to the table that Tinsley and Gordon don't, and why should he be our story? We kind of already answered that, but I, you know. I mean, that that's really what it is, but he's got much more mobile feet. Get out, away from uh, trouble a little bit better than either of the other two guys can. But, I mean, really, it's its that experience and that arm strength, and that's, that's kind of what you want. And, frankly, Gordon and Tinsley are both seniors. If they can't beat him out, then kind of how it goes. Last week's the last week without a game to talk about, y'all. We are nearly there. Almost there. We will talk to you next week on the Gook Center Hour.